gaze at the stick. From who's got it better than us to brick by brick. It's always the 49ers way from off season to game day. Yeah, we talk back. It's the 49ers cut back. It's 49ers Cutback Podcast time. Welcome to the show, everyone. It's time for the tale of the tape. It's going to go down on Thursday night, Turkey Day, Thanksgiving. San Francisco 49ers take on division rival Seattle Seahawks. And it's going to be an absolutely fun battle because, let's be honest, the winner is probably going to escape with a very good chance to win the NFC West. Now, the Seattle Seahawks are going to be battling a little bit more than they normally would because they're dealing with the fact that they've lost two division games already this season. The San Francisco 49ers are 2-0 and in the division and looking to go 3-0. and If they go 3-0, and that would mean they hold a win over Seattle, Arizona, and Los Angeles and put themselves in a really good position to win the NFC West. And ultimately, that's your number one goal when you come into the season. Of course, the 49ers wanted to start out quickly, which they did going 5-0. and but one of the main objectives is to win your division. If you win your division, you ensure that you have an opportunity to get in there and potentially get to a Super Bowl. You just got to get into the dance, and then you see what happens once you get there. Now, Seattle has been playing pretty good this year. They're 6-4, and four, and they're coming in uh, off a tough loss against the Los Angeles Rams. The 49ers had a tough stretch after that 5-0 and oh, uh, you know, games, games that they really dominated in to go 0-3 uh, in that situation where they lost. And that was really tough. But now they're going to be facing up against each other, and we're going to get into the numbers and how exactly both these teams are built to win and how they've been going about winning football games this season. So this is going to be a fun one. I'm really looking forward uh, to getting into the matchups of how these teams win and how they're going to play each other because you're going to be able to see with these numbers strengths and weaknesses for both teams and exactly how uh, some strengths for one might be a weakness for the other. And we've seen this in, in recent weeks, how that has worked out for the 49ers last week. Tampa Bay's weakness was pass defense. 49ers, 333 yards of the air for Brock Purdy, three touchdowns. So uh, it's always something to remember when we're going through these tail-of-the-tape type situations. You get a really good idea by the numbers, what's going on. Please like and subscribe to the channel. If you haven't already, I'd really appreciate it. If you're listening on the audio platform, 49ers Cutback on Believe, please give it a five-star rating. You guys are the best. And if you're betting, if you're betting on football, you're going to bet on this game, try using Bet Online. The holiday season is off and rolling with the NFL in full stride and NBA and NHL hitting midseason form. Bet Online is your number one destination for all your sports wagering info. With up-to-the-minute sports wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions, Bet Online is the top spot for everything pro and amateur sports, and not just the big four. Bet Online has info available at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access at any time for almost any sport that is played. From MMA to international soccer, head to Bet Online today and remember to use our promo code that's believe B L E A V for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online where the game starts where i want to start with this game is the record san francisco 49ers come into the game at seven and three of course they were five and oh had a, a really tough stretch 
where they lost three straight games to the Cleveland Browns, Minnesota Vikings, and Cincinnati Bengals. And they showed that they had some weaknesses that they were going to have to overcome. Now, over the last two weeks, the 49ers seem to have shored up those concerns, and they look like a dominant football team again. Here come the Seattle Seahawks, who have had up-and-down season where they've struggled against the NFC West and played you know, pretty good against other teams uh, around the league. So here you got a game difference, 49ers up one game on the Seattle Seahawks. And if they go up two, if they go to eight and three and the Seahawks go to six and five, that game in a couple weeks where the Seattle Seahawks head to Levi Stadium to play the 49ers could end up being for the division. That's how tight this thing could get because the 49ers and Seahawks have some tough games. But if they go one way or the other, uh, the other team could have the upper hand in winning the division and ultimately helping themselves in the playoff picture, moving up the charts and maybe getting to that two or three seed where they want to be. Points per game, San Francisco 49ers average 27.9 points per game, third best in the NFL. So they are putting up points at a nice ratio. Of course, when you have the weapons you have, you're able to do that. Now, the 49ers had a small dip in offensive performance this year during that three-game losing streak. Once they lost Debo Samuel and they lost Trent Williams, this offense wasn't as dynamic as it was before. Now that Trent and Debo are back, we're seeing the 49ers doing what they did before and scoring close to 30 points a game with those two in the lineup. So looking for this number to rise over the next several weeks as the 49ers look to put up 30 points per game. But in the grand scheme, close to 28 points per game is plenty enough to win football games on the offensive side of the ball. You look at the Seattle Seahawks, they're more middle of the road of what you're expecting from an NFL offense. Uh, but still, not in the lower third. This is a team that's definitely able to score points, and they have a balanced attack, usually running the football with Kenneth Walker. Uh, he's on the uh, potential of not playing. He's on the injury list, dealing with an oblique. So uh, that run game could be suffering a little bit. We'll get into that in a moment. But 21.6 points per game, it's interesting. It's a nice number. We'll see how that translates. But if the 49ers get 21 points in this game, they got to feel pretty comfortable with the way their defense has been playing, that they're going to have an opportunity uh, to win the game. So uh, points per game, you see that right there. 49ers with a slight advantage, just over six points of an advantage as far as points per game on offense. Yardage, offensive yardage per game. San Francisco 49ers go for 387 yards per game, nearing that 400 mark. And you want to get to 400 with a balanced attack. And the 49ers have been pretty balanced this season. They're averaging, you know, they want to average close to 250 through the air per game at 150 on the ground. You can see they're getting close because they want that 400 number. 400 is a very good offense in the league, but also it means that you're staying on the field. You're moving the ball down the field consistently, which is good because you want to win time of possession. You also want to keep your defense off the field. So offensive yardage isn't a huge stat, but I think it gives a quick glimpse into how teams are doing it. When we get into rush yards and pass yards, that's when you're really going to find out who these teams are and how they operate, uh, if they're more dominant on the in the run game or the passing game. And you see Seattle, 327 yards, not bad, pretty good. I'm sure they would love to get that closer to 350 yards per game, but they try to play tough defense, run the football. That's kind of the Pete Carroll staple. Rush yards, 49ers, 132 yards per game. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks at 96. 49ers, as soon as Debo came back in the game against the Jacksonville Jaguars, 
The 49ers ratio and numbers of yards per game went up. They got 144 yards in that game. So uh, with Debo on the field, this run game is definitely more effective just because of the multiple looks. Now, last week did the 49ers no favors. They were playing a very stingy Tampa Bay run defense. Uh, Vita Vea and others are tough. Until the 49ers average came down one yard per game from 133 last week to 132. But you see a commitment to run. Now, like I said before, the 49ers want to get that number to 150 per game on the ground. If they're at 150 uh, on the ground and, and 250 through the air, that's when they're going to feel really good about this 49ers offense. Now, when you look at Seattle, Seattle has 96 yards per game. Getting close to that 100 mark, you want to get more than 100 yards per game. Pete Carroll would love to run the socks off the football and get it closer to where the 49ers are, but they haven't been able to be as effective in the run game. They have really good running backs. You know, Kenneth Walker has been spectacular this season, but he is likely out with the oblique injury, so they're going to turn to Zach Charbonnet. He's going to come in, the rookie from UCLA. He's a very balanced runner. He has ability to catch the ball in the backfield. So he is a dual threat guy, plays with great balance and vision, doesn't have the explosiveness or the run with anger that Kenneth Walker has. That's going to be something that they're going to be missing if Walker's not able to go in this football game. And as of right now, it's not looking promising that he's going to be able to go. Other guys on the team, they could turn to DJ Dallas. He's been there for a while, more of a third down back. And then, of course, McIntosh as well. And I like McIntosh. Potentially, they could get him involved. But the 49ers, you see have a distinct advantage on the ground, but also a more balanced attack as we look at the pass numbers. San Francisco 49ers averaging 254 yards, so they've met the criteria they're looking for through the passing game. Now they just got to get the run game up there. I think as the passing game becomes more effective, we've seen their number jump 30 yards in the last several weeks. Then people are going to have to play it more straight. They can't load the box like they are right now, and you're going to get more opportunities in the run game. But let's be honest, through the first five games, Christian McCaffrey in this 49ers offense was absolutely gashing people. And because of that, getting explosive plays and doing the things that they do, then teams decided to go single high safety, load up with eight guys in the box, and make Brock Purdy and the offensive playmakers beat them and not allow Christian McCaffrey in the 49ers run game to get going. Well, what we've seen is a commitment to the run game persist, and Brock Purdy have uh, more commitment to throwing the football. Kyle Shanahan just letting you know, letting him let it rip, and they're making some plays down the field. So 254, we've seen this number go up close to 30 yards in the last three weeks. And then you look over at Seattle, 230 yards, not bad. Uh, they're playing at a, a pretty high rate over there, and they've got weapons. DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett's been dealing with a little bit of an injury. I expect him to play this game. Rookie Jackson, Jackson Smith and Jigba will be playing some slot, him and Lockett. So they've got weapons, and then you throw in tight end Noah Fant. And so you've got some guys that can definitely get it done through the air. Geno Smith, however, is going to have to stay upright. He has been sacked 21 times in this season. So uh, that's going to be something that's on display. And let's talk about the Geno Smith and Brock Purdy because I think this is one of the battles you know, that we really want to see if the 49ers can uh, go ahead and get a big victory at because Geno's dealing with a little bit of an elbow injury uh, the elbow was messed up. He came out of the game. Locke came in for a while. Gino was able to return for that last drive, uh, but they said he's going to have some significant uh, bruising to that tricep above the elbow, and there are question marks about his availability for Thursday. I think because he went back in the game, he's probably trending towards 
playing in that football game. But let's look at the tail of the tape. Here you go, quarterback comparison, Brock Purdy to Geno Smith. Brock Purdy completing passes at 70.2%. And over the last couple of weeks, that, that has been going up. He's been very accurate with the football. Last week, he had a perfect passer rating, 158.3 against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It was absolutely precision at his best. He was surgical out there. Uh, and that's a really good number for Brock. That's elite caliber status when you're in the 70% ratio. Geno Smith not having a bad season either, 65.3%. So he's doing a good job completing passes, take care of the football. And one thing about Geno, some of those incompletions are from throwaways. Uh, so he's probably a little bit more accurate than the number that you see right there at 65.3. As far as yards, Brock Purdy was 26.62. Uh, don't look now, but it seems like he could be on a pace to go over 4,000 yards. He'd be the first quarterback under Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco to go for over 4,000 yards. Jimmy Garoppolo came very close in 2019, but wasn't able to do it. Uh, Geno Smith at 24.04, having a good season, completing passes, getting uh, plays down the field. Touchdowns, Brock Purdy is plus six compared to Geno. 18 touchdowns to Geno Garoppolo, or sorry, uh, <laughs> Geno Smith's 12. Uh, so you see a little bit of an advantage there. And then five interceptions for Brock, seven for Geno Smith. The interesting thing about Brock, you want to have a two-to-one ratio as far as touchdowns to interceptions. He has a three-to-one, and he's working real close to a four-to-one. If he doesn't turn over the football in this game and he gets a couple touchdowns through the air, you know he, he's going to have a four-to-one ratio as far as touchdowns uh, to interceptions. That is absolutely spectacular. So Brock doing a very good job of not just getting the ball in the end zone, but taking care of the football and not being careless with it. Gino with the seven picks, it's not exactly two to one, but he's close. And so he's, he's doing a good job of taking care of the football overall, but you see he does give opportunities to opposing defenses to potentially get the ball and, and make some plays. Now you look at the sack numbers. These it's pretty equivalent. Brock Purdy has been sacked 20 times and then Gino Smith, 21 and Brock Purdy was sacked four times last week against Tampa Bay. So the 49ers need to keep it, their quarterback upright, and that's the Seahawks' role. That's what they want to do as well. They've struggled. The 49ers are coming in with a very, very good defensive pass rush. They added Chase Young. Now they've got a really good rotation. Young coming in allowed Randy Gregory, allowed Cleveland Farrell to be more of a rotation piece uh, during the game. But also now you have eight guys that you can rotate, Ken Law and Givens coming in for Hargrave and Armstead. And you're not losing a whole lot now. Of course, they're not as good as Hargrave and Armstead. Those two are ridiculous. But we've seen very positive play from Javon Kinlaw in not just the pass game, but the run game as well. He was tracking in this game, getting down the line of scrimmage and making plays. It was exciting to watch. Now, quarterback rating, the Brock Purdy at 115.1. That leads the NFL. He leads the NFL in a lot of categories right now. He's just playing highly effective and efficient quarterback play. And then Geno Smith at an 89.7. So Geno's rating, not great. Uh, he's had a pretty good season, but I don't think he's playing up to the standard he was uh, before when he was considered not just comeback player of the year last year, but also at one point an NFL MVP candidate. So, uh, yeah, he's got to get a little bit better. I think that Geno Smith still has the potential to play well in this matchup. So the Warriors are going to have to stick with them. And... And one way that you stick with them is you make sure you're good on third down. And the San Francisco 49ers offense has been really good on third down. 
Now, it slipped a little bit over the last couple of weeks. It was at 46% a couple of weeks ago. Now it's slidden back down to 44%. So the 49ers need to make sure they're converting on third down consistently. You want that number to get closer to 50%. If you're operating at 50% on third down uh, conversion percentage, that's when you are a very effective offense. You're continuing drives. You're keeping your defense off the field. You're winning time of possession. Uh, not just that, but you're also getting yourself in potential positions to score. So uh, that number is not bad. You 45% is great. 50% is ultimately where you want to be if you're going to be an elite caliber offense. 49ers need to keep trending that way on third down. Then you look over at Seattle, and it's not trending in the right direction. 31.7% uh, third down conversion rate, not great. They need to do better than that if they're going to be able to hang with the 49ers. If they convert third downs in this game at a 31.7%, the 49ers will win unless the 49ers turn over the ball a lot because that's not a good ratio. That's not effective offense, and that's a weakness of the Seattle Seahawks. That's why going through these numbers is important. You go through and you find the matchups in your favor, and you find matchups that you for sure need to win. And this is one of those. Seattle faces a lot of third and longs, and then they're not able to convert. Uh, so the 49ers know if we force third and long, we have a good opportunity to get off the field on third down and get the ball back to Brock Purdy and the 49ers offense. So third down conversion rate is going to be important because these defenses both uh, give up third downs at a pretty high rate. 49ers, 41%. They had gotten it down to 39, but over the last two weeks, They've given up more third downs than they really should. Last week, Tampa Bay went 50% on third down, 7 of 14. Not exactly the best. So uh, 49ers need to be better on third down. Seahawks, not the worst in the NFL. Tampa Bay was actually the worst defense on third down. They give up third down conversions at 47%. So uh, you see Seattle's one of the bottom third in the league. 49ers not trending in the right direction. 49ers need to get that third down stops to a 35% uh, rate where they get off the field at that rate. And right now they haven't been able to play that level. It's crazy because it's such a great defense. They play really tough, but they're bad on third down. So they need to get better at that if they're going to be considered elite and in a team of destiny on defense. And with the 49ers offense, having a 44% uh, conversion rate on offense and Seattle having a 44 uh, conversion rate allowed on defense, you would think the 49ers are going to have some success on third down. So something's got to give there. And I think there's an advantage for the 49ers on third down against the Seattle Seahawks. Points per game. Uh, 49ers give up their defense, number one scoring defense in the entire NFL. They give up 15.7. Even in those losses during that three-game losing streak, they were still doing a good job on defense of holding teams down. The Cleveland Browns only scored 19. So they, they've done a good job in that department. And ultimately, scoring defense is the one that makes them makes the biggest impact. If you hold a team to under 16 points, you have a really good chance to win, right? The 49ers offense is averaging close to 28 points, and they're giving up close to 16. Uh, that's a big 12-point difference between the two, which means you have opportunities to win every single game you're in. So the 49ers scoring defense, that bend and don't break mentality, that defense is able to get off the field, get goal line stands, get turnovers in the red zone. Those are the types of things that you need to do to be championship caliber defense. And the 49ers are proving that right now. They're doing a very good job. 15.7 point, points per game is fantastic. 
You flip it over to the other sky, other side. They the Seattle Seahawks give up more points than they score. Uh, they average twenty one point two points per game, and they give up twenty one point eight. So something's got to give here. Uh, Seahawks are uh, kind of right on that 50-50 trend here. If they give up close to 22 points against the 49ers, you would expect the 49ers to be able to win. So you see 49ers definitely a better defense as far as not giving up points, uh, but Seattle's not exactly terrible either. That Cleveland defense the 49ers win against used to be the best scoring defense, and now they're not even in the, you know, the top two or three. Kansas City fell off a little bit. 49ers staying right there consistent. Defensive yards per game, quick snap uh, shot of what these defenses do as far as how stingy they are. 49ers getting close to being in that level you want to be, where you give up under 300 yards per game on defense. If you do that, you're elite company. Like, that's really, really good. I know Cleveland Brown has been, Cleveland Browns have been one of the best, but the 49ers just getting into that ratio, 299 and below, uh, that's when you really start making huge impact. That means you're getting off the field on third down, your offense is getting long drives. You're creating turnovers. All those things are huge for the 49ers. So you see numbers trending in the right direction as far as being a very, very good football team. Look at Seattle. They give up 345. Not terrible, right? It's, you just don't want to get close to that 400 range. But they'd like to get that number down. And we're going to get into what part of the defense uh, struggles to get stops. And it's the pass for the 49ers defense and for Seattle Seahawks defense. You can see both of them are allowing too many yards in the air. The fact the 49ers are actually ahead of Seattle as far as yards per game allowed in the passing game is a little surprising. Seattle has spent a lot of draft capital and a lot of money on their secondary to make sure that they're capable of getting stops when they need it. They keep relating it back to the Legion of Boom. This is how Pete Carroll builds defenses from the secondary back or secondary up. And it's worked for the most part. And yeah, they're going to have some young guys. Probably they're going to have some some struggles this season. Uh, but it's a little surprising when you talk about the guys that they've brought in that they haven't been able to play a little bit better. But uh, 49ers passing defense has been hanging in there the last couple weeks. Cincinnati Bengals, Minnesota Vikings absolutely shredded that pass defense. With it came a, some 49ers adjustments. Diameter Lenore moved to the nickel. Ambry Thomas came in on obvious pass downs and nickel to play on the outside at corner. Those have been huge changes for the 49ers. Now, the 49ers are going to have another big change. Talanoa Hufanga is not going to be available. He's on the IR, so he's out for the season. We'll see Hufanga again in 2024, which means in comes rookie Jair Brown. 49ers still have to insulate. They're still going to have to make sure they give him some support with a another backup besides George Odom, but it's going to be Jair Brown's show for now. Jair Brown's got to come in and prove that he's a big-time player. But there's nothing that we saw in the game against Tampa Bay that makes us think this moment is too big for Jair Brown. Comes in, he has three big plays. He hits Kate Otten in the end zone, knocks the ball out. He covers Mike Evans on a blitz by Isaiah Oliver and gets his head around just in time, knocks the ball away. Then he gets an interception off a deflection of Drake Greenlaw's head and makes an interception. So, uh, to me, Jair Brown, is it's a wait and see. I'm sure he's going to get tested a little bit against Seattle, but that's going to be a, a big determining factor of how this 49ers pass defense continues uh, to work. Are they going to trend to where they want to give up close to 200 yards per game? That's the elite caliber defense that you want from the 49ers defense and that secondary. Or is it going to keep going up? Of course, pass rush could help. They added Chase Young, that rotation we talked about earlier. 
Uh, so both of these teams will give up a little bit in the air, but pretty good overall. You look at the rush defense, 49ers, one of the best rush defenses in the entire league. They stopped the run besides Cleveland. Uh, yeah, teams have had limited success, but not great success against the 49ers. Cleveland, the one lone outlier, 144 yards on the ground. That was impressive by them. So uh, to me, this is one of those things where the 49ers are better at stopping the run. And Seattle's going to be missing a key cog potentially in Kenneth Walker. If he's not playing, it is going to be a little bit easier to stop Seattle Seahawks run. And the 49ers want to make them one. You make them one dimensional. You're going to have opportunities to uh, play some tight, sticky coverage. You're going to be able to get some third and long situations, maybe drive on the football and get some turnovers, but just get off the field as well. And that's really huge. Get the ball back to your offense, get back on the sideline and rest and go rush Geno again. So you see there's an advantage there. 49ers, 81 yards that they allow per game on the ground. That's pretty good. It's one of the top five. You look at Seattle, they're not top five. Uh, they're more middle of the road again, kind of that 15 to 20 range of teams in the league. And 112 yards, the 49ers average about 133. You would think there's going to be some opportunities for the 49ers in the run game against the Seattle Seahawks. The Seahawks brought in Leonard Williams. They're hoping that he's going to do a good job of helping in the run game. Of course, the edge defenders, they also brought in Frank Clark. They're hoping that he's going to be able to help in the run game. So uh, Seattle looking to get some stops in the run game. If they can get the 49ers to play one-dimensional because they limit Christian McCaffrey, could make it a little bit more difficult for Brock Purdy. I don't know if the Seattle Seahawks are going to go with the blueprint that has been put out on the 49ers offense right now, which is come in, single high safety, load the box with eight, and make Brock Purdy beat them. They do run a lot of cover three, so they could do that. Uh, we'll see if that's something they go to and how much success it has against this 49ers offense and offensive line. So let's talk giveaways. 49ers have nine turnovers on the season, uh, better than the Seattle Seahawks by two. They have seven total turnovers by Brock Purdy. That's five interceptions at two strip sack fumbles. And then they have two fumbles by Christian McCaffrey. Only those two players have turned the football over this year. Everybody else has held on the ball and done a very good job. And when you look at the Seahawks, Geno Smith accounts for seven interceptions of those 11 turnovers. But really, these both of these teams are doing good. 49 yards under double digits, which is always you know, what you're looking for, you're striving for. Uh, you've played more games now than you have turnovers. That's good. And you see the Seahawks, they're not doing bad, uh, but they're plus two compared to you as far as giveaways. So uh, both these teams do a pretty good job taking care of the football. The winner of the turnover battle usually wins the football game. And you can see both teams pretty stingy. 49ers real stingy. Their losing streak, not as stingy. As far as takeaways, 49ers have 19 and 14 of those are interceptions, which leads the NFL. So the 49ers secondary has been absolute ball hawks. Uh, but Fred Warner has chipped in, you know, with three interceptions. Uh, you've seen uh, Oren Burks get an interception as well. They've created turnovers. Fred's been knocking the ball out. He's caused a couple of fumbles this year. So the 49ers have done a very good job. And every guy who's going to start in the secondary for the 49ers has an interception, including Jair Brown, who got one last week. Just when you go to nickel, Ambry Thomas, you're due. You need an interception. Maybe this will be the week. So you see Seahawks with 14. They're doing a good job. They're still getting turnovers. And so they have the ability to disrupt things enough for the 49ers that they can potentially get some turnovers. So maybe at some point uh, this plays a big part in this game because we do know turnovers are a determining factor in who wins usually 
from week to week. Let's talk turnover differential. Uh, San Francisco 49ers at plus 10, which is great. Anytime you're at plus uh, double digits as far as turnover differential, that's absolutely fantastic. That's elite level uh, ability to not just force turnovers, but also make sure you don't have any turnovers on the offensive side of the football. Seattle Seahawks plus three. They're still in plus category. To be a good football team, you need to be in plus category, and they are. So I, I like what I see from both these teams as far as taking care of the football. It would seem the 49ers have a distinct advantage in the turnover battle. They force more turnovers. They also take care of the football just a little bit better than Seattle. Those things really pay you know, a determining factor in who wins football games and who doesn't. And the thing is, when you're talking – uh, you know, about what you're looking at from the numbers. We got a kind of clear picture now of how these teams win football games. The four yards want to be balanced on offense, run the football and throw the football and take advantage of what a defense gives them. And Seattle gives a little bit up in the air, uh, but they give up a little bit more on the ground as well. Will they be focused on making sure the ground game for the four yards doesn't get going and they load the box? Potentially. Uh, so that's something to monitor, but you see a strength for the 49ers against a weakness for Seattle. When you look at other things that Seattle does well, they throw the football pretty well. 49ers are pretty good at, at coverage, but you can see there could be a opportunity for the Seahawks throwing the football with Metcalf, Smith and Jigba, Tyler Lockett, and Noah Fant, and potentially finding some opportunities. Fully expect the 49ers to try to make the Seattle Seahawks one-dimensional, stop the run, Never let Zach Charbonnet get going and put all the onus on Geno Smith and those playmakers to make plays while you're dialing up some things for Geno to get not just blitz, uh, but some get some pressures with that intense 49ers pass rush that they are going to be able to provide. And the thing is, just by looking at the numbers, the Seattle Seahawks offensive line hasn't been as effective. Where the 49ers offensive line at least produces a lot of yardage in the run game, Seattle's offense hasn't done that. They haven't really been great in pass protection. They haven't really been great in run offense either, rush offense. And so you see a weakness there. And when you've got a strength of the 49ers or defense being that front seven, but being that defensive line, you got to feel like the 49ers have an advantage there and are going to be able to get after Geno Smith and stop the run, especially if Kenneth Walker isn't available to play on Thanksgiving Day. So when you start going through and looking at the things that go one way or the other, you get a clear picture. Now we're going to go to third down. 49ers uh, you know, convert at 44% on offense. Seahawks give up third downs at 44%. So the likelihood is the four yards are going to be close to 40% at least, maybe higher, hopefully higher. 40% conversion rate on third down means they keep drives alive, they keep their defense off the field, which means the strength of the defensive line being fresh against the offensive line who struggles for Seattle. Those are the types of advantages that you're looking for. And I think that's that's some of the advantages the four years are going to take advantage of in this game. Both teams have talked about turnovers. Uh, possession is going to be huge in this game as well. So uh, you see it now. You see how these teams win. The four years balanced offense, uh, timely defense, don't allow teams to score. And with Seattle, it's been more about a complete team effort. They just find ways to win. Uh, but they don't have a set way that they're going to win. They're going to throw the football pretty consistently. The run game is going to be hit and miss. Uh, and then as far as pass rush, sometimes it's there, sometimes it's not. So it's going to be real interesting to see if Leonard Williams, Frank Clark, 
uh, and those edge defenders, Daryl Taylor and Boye Mafi, can go ahead and get in and make plays against this 49ers offensive line. If the 49ers offensive line holds up, they're able to run the football against a not great Seattle Seahawks defense, then that means they're going to have an opportunity. And let's remember, 49ers give up 15.7 points per game. Last week, Seattle scored 16 points against the Rams defense. This is not the Rams defense. The 49ers are really, really good. So thank you guys so much for joining me for a tale of the tape. Uh, please like and subscribe to the channel. Really appreciate it. If you're listening on audio platform, 49ers cut back on Believe. Of course, tomorrow I'll be on the PSF app with Mark Adams. Come check that out. That'll be going at 2 p.m. Pacific time, plus more content, Madden simulation coming your way, game preview show coming your way, all that this week and more on 49ers Cutback. This episode was brought to you by Bet Online, where the game starts. So I hope to catch you guys in the next one. Until then, stay safe. And remember, the right way is always the 49ers way. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.